this week's Adam Schefter podcast, it is an incredible time in the NFL. We are one week away from free agency and finding out where Tom Brady will wind up playing. We are going to be joined today by the man who about 10 days ago said he would be quote unquote stunned, stunned if Tom Brady returned to New England. We'll see if he's back down off that at all when we speak to ESPN reporter Jeff Darlington about a potential landing spot for Tom Brady. And we'll be joined by a coach who's expected to be in the hunt for Tom Brady, the Chargers head coach Anthony Lynn, as he addresses his team's quarterback situation. And we'll turn the tables a bit. We'll have the Lions head coach, Matt Patricia, ask me the questions today that he wants answered rather than me asking Matt Patricia the questions that I want answered. And I also wanted to remind everyone that Mina Kimes has a daily podcast called ESPN Daily. On Monday's episode, they talk the future of Tom Brady. To stay up to date with NFL free agency and other hot topics, download and subscribe to ESPN Daily and the Adam Schefter podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. But before we get into this week's interviews, a quick word from our sponsor, ZipRecruiter. Hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter.com slash ASP. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job sites, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. You can even add screening questions to your job listing so you can filter candidates and focus on the best ones. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And right now, to try ZipRecruiter for free, my listeners can go to ZipRecruiter.com ASP. That's ZipRecruiter.com ASP. ZipRecruiter.com slash ASP. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And now, ESPN reporter Jeff Darlington. Uh, joining us now, my friend, my ESPN colleague, Jeff Darlington. Jeff, we figured we'd bring you back for a return <laughs> engagement ever since your bombshell statement that you would be shocked. Was that the word, shocked, Jeff, if Tom stunned Brady were shocked to New England? It, uh, I believe Stunned? Stunned. Stunned. Yeah. You, you'd be stunned. But, but shocked also applies. Shock. So you'd be shocked and stunned, both. Shocked <laughs> and stunned. Put that on the ESPN bottom line if Tom Brady <laughs> came back to the New England Patriots. And so you made that statement while we were in Indianapolis at the Combine, which was roughly, I'm going to say, 10 days ago. Where are you 10 days later, a week before <laughs> Tom Brady is eligible to talk to other teams as we get closer and closer to free agency and D-Day. I, Adam, am in the exact same situation and position and thinking that I was um, then in regards to my expectations about where Tom ends up. Now, I don't know where he's going to play next season. Yep. I just maintain that I would be very surprised, stunned, shocked, if you will, uh, if Tom ends up back in New England. Uh, that part has not changed whatsoever. And why do you say that? Why do you believe that? I just, I mean, look, based on conversations that I've had, um, not only in the past several weeks, but in the past several months, in the past several years, just following this probably more closely than I think people maybe um, realize that I just don't expect Tom to wind up back with the Patriots. I think that he has laid out a plan uh, and... And, and 
continues to maintain the expectation of carrying out that plan. And I, I think a lot of people, I, I, I think we talked about this last time. I, I don't remember. I think cha- things have changed a lot since we were on the podcast last in terms of talking about, I think my comments came after that. But I think what happens is when you say something that doesn't fit into the narrative that people want to believe, yes. they're immediately going to attack it. Um, and I think that's the case here. Uh, people would say that um, they'd be shocked if Tom left the New England Patriots. And uh, to which I would say, well, why? Why is that? Why would we be so surprised if Tom Brady at this point left the New England Patriots? Because quite honestly, if we really open our minds to it and, and, and recognize beyond just, you know, the conversations that I've had um, behind the scenes, but if we just open up our eyes to the what, what's right in front of our faces, yeah. I think that it's far more reasonable than not to expect Tom Brady to leave the Patriots. And that's not even including um, the the inside knowledge that uh, that I have about the situation. Right. If you are just a person who's looking at the situation logically and rationally from afar, you would have to come to the conclusion yeah. that he has set this up for him to be able to leave and actually leave the New England Patriots. Again, just look at the facts, right? He was the one that set up the contract to void. He mm-hmm. was the one that set it up for him to become a free agent. He was the one who told Jim Gray, I'm open-minded to the process. And he and the Patriots together are the ones who up until we are taping this on Monday morning, March 9th, right. at just after 10 a.m., haven't made any progress towards yep. a deal that would keep him in New England. And we are now a week away. So if all that has transpired, then logically, if you just yeah. think about it, of course he would be tracking to leave New England. My and one, that's just logic. That's that, just the logical side of it. That's right. not even based on, you know, conversations that you or I are having behind the scenes about the situation. That's just mere logic. Well, here's the one thing, though, Jeff, that does give me pause. Just the one thing about yeah. it. And by the way, I'm with you in the sense that I think it's more likely than not mm-hmm. that he leaves New England. But what I don't know and I don't think any of us know, mm-hmm. is what happens if and when at some point this week, and I would have to figure at some point this week, him and Bill, Bel- him and Bill Belichick will have to have a heart-to-heart. Right. And they will have to get some final clarity. Like, Tom, you're leaving? Yep. Yes, I'm leaving. Is there anything we could do? Yes or no? Yes, there is. No, there's not. Okay. Yes, we can do that. No, we can't do that. That's not right. what I'm interested in. Um, they have to have a meaningful, significant totally. conversation to get clarity for both sides to know what they're going to be doing next week when free That's agency right. actually hits. And so once Tom Brady gets to the abyss and looks down and sees mm-hmm. that wide open canyon and that wide open space, and there's the Chargers logo, and there's the Buccaneers logo, and there's yep. the Titans logo, and there's the Raiders logo, and there's the 49ers logo, whatever it is, is he willing to jump off that cliff? And I, and that's, yeah, that's that's exactly Adam. I mean, I, I feel like you know we we all saw the, the the comment where I said that I would be stunned, and I absolutely maintain that a hundred percent. But I think what people missed, uh, maybe in the context of what I was saying there, is that even the people around Tom who who have been led to believe that Tom himself is the one who's saying I'm I'm good here, I'm 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 ready to to do this. Very everybody is saying, yeah, but what happens? Exactly what you just spelled out. What happens when he ends up in that room and he has to stare over that cliff and he has to think about walking out of that stadium for the last time as a New England Patriot? And certainly, I I respect that aspect of it. I respect the difficult process that he's going to face, but I also believe that 
he has kind of found that clarity already. You know, I think for the rest of us, maybe we're the ones who are still sort of holding on to it. Whereas Tom Brady himself has has had the chance day in, day out, every minute, every hour of every day to think about this and and find that clarity himself. Uh, and, and that's why I think that, um, and this is me just that now when yeah. I'm saying I think this, I'm just saying I believe personally that because he is so invested and so involved, more so than anybody else, that he will have uh, a stronger ability to do that than maybe we give him credit for. And again, I think that's something that he's prepared for and thought about, like you said, and had a lot mm-hmm. of time to get used to the idea. When he made that decision over the summer to void that contract, yep. he knew what was behind door two. He didn't necessarily know what was behind door three, four, five, what teams were involved, but he knew where this could potentially be going. And again, we talked about this at the time that you made that statement that got the national headlines that it didn't deserve right. that you'd be stunned. But think about what it's like now. Can you imagine Tom Brady in a Chargers helmet, in a Buccaneers <laughs> you know helmet, what? in a Raiders you know helmet, what, Adam? Titans I helmet? Can. Yeah. I can. You can. And maybe that's yeah, and maybe that's a result of and I'm not even just talking about, you know, six months of conversations. Mm-hmm. But but Several years of right. conversations to where, yes, I, I can wrap my head around the idea of seeing Tom Brady in another uniform. And I think that once the rest of us start to do the same, this won't feel so crazy. And that, that's another thing that's interesting is like after I said what I said about that, I'd be stunned. Um, all of a sudden, it, it felt like people started to maybe open their <laughs> minds to it a little bit, and it became less crazy. And by the time that this all eventually unfolds and happens, it won't feel as much like LeBron James dropping the hammer that he's leaving Cleveland and going to South Beach. Uh, then, then, then uh, you know, I think it'll feel a little bit more expected. Maybe we'll start to digest this in the coming week to when it does go down. And I believe it, you know, I, I personally think that it will eventually, we will hear Tom Brady say that he's going to play for another team, uh, that it maybe won't be as shocking uh, as we might have initially been inclined to expect it to well, be. Well, let me just say this. I just remember when Peyton Manning was going mm-hmm. on his free agent tour and he met with the Dolphins and the Titans and people wondered whether he could wind up with the Jets or the 49ers, the Broncos, yeah. and ESPN drew up all these... <laughs> graphics of Peyton Manning wearing different uniforms and it just looked odd to me even after weird, right? <laughs> Peyton Manning put on the Broncos uniform I'm like boy where's the horseshoe where's the white and the blue yeah, like, like yeah. it's just odd and so I still when I sit now and think oh there's Tom Brady with the Chargers helmet there's Tom Brady with the Bucks helmet there's him with the Raiders right. helmet there's the Titans the 49 whoever it may be whatever way it winds up it's still hard to imagine that. And no I doubt. guarantee you, if and when it does go that way, when he goes to that team's off-season program and all the reporters are showing up to photograph his first day and that team's uniform, <laughs> like you're going to see him in that uniform and it's just going to be odd, Jeff. It's going to be surreal. Right. I'm, I'm probably, maybe I'm the one underselling the, uh, maybe I'm just trying to prepare myself mentally for that look. But you're right. I mean, it always is weird. It was weird when Joe Montana put on the Chiefs uniform. Uh, it's always, you know, it's, it's weird to think about Michael Jordan in, in a different uniform. I mean, uh, I just, I also, it's interesting that when we go down the list, while it is unprecedented for a player to have played 20 years for the same team mm-hmm. and then play for another team, that is unprecedented. We still do, you know, whether it's Peyton Manning 
we eventually get used to it. Yeah. You know, like now I kind of think about Peyton and I honestly, strangely, I mean, I obviously can still picture Peyton in the Colts uniform, but I think my head goes straight to the Broncos uniform at this point. That will never be the case. I agree. Him. He will always be a Patriot. But I, I think just like more like Joe Montana in the Chiefs uniform, um, you know, I, I think that even though that's probably still weird to people, you know, eventually it, it's just something that we get used to. So let me ask you this question. What do you think will be the deciding factor for Tom Brady tracking the situation the way you have, mm-hmm. knowing what you know, knowing that he's going to have to make a decision? Let's assume that he does leave New England. What mm-hmm. is going to be, in your mind, the deciding factor on where he winds up? I think a head coach who desires collaboration and desires the input of his quarterback um, will will play a huge role in that. Uh, and if you look across the landscape of the teams that, that you know, we've heard mentioned, you know, you kind of look toward the, the coach and, and decide for yourself if that fits if that fits that aspect of it. We can look toward player personnel and a roster that, by the way, is fit to win, but not necessarily one that needs to be right on the cusp of a, of a Super Bowl title. Like, yeah, it'd be awesome, uh, I'd imagine, in Tom's mind, to go to the 49ers and, and go, you know, put them over the hump that, that they're just, you know, on the cusp of being at. But I don't think that's everything. I, he can – it doesn't have to be plug and play. Like, I think that Tom would be willing to go to a roster that is still very good, uh, you know, like, like the Bucks, like the Titans. I mean, the Titans just went to the championship game. But the Bucks is probably a better example. You know, not a team that was all, was was a dominant powerhouse last year, but one when, when you look top to bottom at that roster, you actually see uh, maybe a roster that's built that's you know a few pieces away. So that's where I think it's important to open our minds and, and recognize that Tom is throwing a very wide net here, that he's casting a very wide net uh, at possible teams. That this is not just you know the Titans or go back to the Patriots. That that there's a lot of teams that are interested in Tom. And he is keeping an open mind about all of those squads. You know what's interesting? The very first word that you said was the answer that I was going to give to my own question. When I asked you what he's looking for, and you said almost right away, a collaboration. You said a collaboration between he yep. and the head coach. And, and I think that I think that's spot on. Just yep. the collaboration, right? I Good think word. he wants to be involved in everything. The game like the game plan, input, his ideas. And I think that's gonna be something that matters to him. Very much. Yeah, I think so, too. But, but by the way, the, the, the important part about that word, collaboration, is not that he's going to walk through the door and be like, I want it in my way. No. Collaboration is a two-way street, and I think he recognizes that as much as anybody. Right. What are you thinking about how we're going to attack this defense on Sunday? Here's what I'd like to do, or whatever it may be. But I do believe that that's going to be important. I think he wants to work with someone that he's comfortable with, that he believes in, uh, that he's confident as a play caller. Uh, and by the way, I you think know what's interesting too, Adam. Yeah. You know who you know who you can really look at as a, you know. We talked about the Bucks, and I think people kind of like are like, yeah, but the Bucks, like Bruce Arians allowed Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, about 10 years ago when he was his offensive coordinator. He was the quarterback's coach before that, became the offensive coordinator. And he would let Ben Roethlisberger basically build the game plan with him, call the plays on game day. Like, look at that. If you go back and look at that, look at when Bruce Arians came in as the offensive coordinator for the Bucks. Go look at those headlines and read those stories. It's very interesting because you talk about collaboration. He was the ultimate collaborator when it came to 
kind of bringing Ben Roethlisberger into his circle, into his world, and saying, hey, look, if you don't like something, if you're not comfortable with it, we're going to change that because we need this to be a two-way street. That, to me, is what makes the Bucks especially fascinating as Tom looks at them. See, Jeff, here's what I find interesting, right? If Tom Brady wants a reference, character reference, on Bruce Arians, all he's got to do is call his friend Peyton Manning, who he worked with in Indianapolis. If he wants more than that, he could call Ben Roethlisberger, he could call Andrew Luck. We know how Carson Palmer, we know how many great quarterbacks Bruce Arians has worked with. He's got a reputation for doing that. And I'll tell you one other thing that's interesting. Of all the teams that we talked about, Chargers, Raiders, Niners, Titans, mm-hmm. the only one, the only one on the East Coast is Tampa. Yeah, you're right. Okay, so Tampa True. has a dream. Good proximity, good proximity to New York. <clears throat> you know, it's a, it's a, it's a warm weather place. For a guy who's 42 and probably wouldn't mind not playing those cold December games in New England, um, you know, there, there's a lot of things about the Bucks that are they're very intriguing, very alluring. Uh, I would also say this, though, you know, as we all try to kind of wrap our head around where he might go, make our guesses and all that, Tom, from what I understand, is keeping all these teams guessing, too. There's a lot of teams that are still very invested uh, in, in monitoring Tom Brady's free agency, and a lot of those squads are looking at this themselves saying, man, we wonder what Tom's going to do, too, because, quite frankly, he's keeping them guessing as well. Well, it, again, Tampa, that East Coast thing is a built-in advantage that the Bucks have over any other You're team. Right. I can't see another team on the East Coast other than New England, and we know the situation there, that yep. would be bidding for Tom's services. We don't expect the Dolphins to be in, do we? I don't think so. Not at this point. I, I You know, I think... At uh, uh, once upon a time, had they decided to maybe construct their roster with the mindset that they were going to bring in Tom, uh, they, they certainly would would have been at the top of the list, in my opinion. But um, but at this point, I think that they kind of went a different direction with their roster build out to the point where it doesn't feel as much like a, a match at this point. So yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that from an East Coast standpoint, it really is the Bucks that are the team. You know, barring some crazy thing where. You know, New Orleans can't get a deal done with Drew Brees or something like that. But but for now, when we look at the landscape, uh, it's it's the Bucks really on the East Coast are the team to watch. Interesting. So, do you have a favorite right now that you would say, if I'm handicapping this, I'm making this team the favorite? I'm still. I mean, I'll maintain what I said last time about the Titans. I mean, I know that the the narrative continues to shift because we need. You know, we're going to keep talking about different teams and different fits. The Forty ers the Chargers, the Raiders. The Titans are sort of just like sort of you know behind the scenes here and not really getting anything done with Ryan Tannehill yet. I feel like everybody's sort of maybe trying to slow play everything so that they can get to that March sixteenth date before they figure it out. But yeah, I mean, I still continue to have my eye on the Titans uh, as the team to watch. If one team is going to be capable of keeping everything completely under wraps uh, in terms of the potential of signing Tom Brady, it would feel like it'd be Mike Rabel. So for now, I'll continue to maintain that. Certainly understanding, though, that um, that's based on my own belief here, that I, I really do think that there are a number of teams, though, uh, I know that there are a number of teams very interested in Tom Brady and that Tom is keeping an open mind when it comes to all of that. So while I'll continue to say the Titans there, I certainly respect that, uh, that, that this could go a number of different ways. And I don't know what to make of the Titans because I have great respect yeah. for what you're saying and I totally could see it. It makes sense on a lot of levels. Yeah. I've also heard, for whatever it's worth, just 
speculative gossip, nothing more than yeah, that, yeah. that maybe uh, they wouldn't necessarily be interested, that Mike Vrabel is close enough friends with Brady, wants to leave it that way, not yeah. interfere with the – and I don't know what's right and wrong. I, I don't no, know. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I've heard a lot of that too, and I'm I'm totally with you. Uh, you know, I feel like Tannehill even kind of looks at the Titans like, yeah, I, th- I feel like I'm going to wind up back there, that kind of thing. But, like, but I'm with you. I still, I just, you know, something in the back of my head is like, if, if these teams are really smart, they're keeping us all guessing in terms of what ultimately winds up happening. But I totally feel you there. Well, it's going to be unbelievable. I don't think we've ever seen <laughs> a time wait. like this. I, and and that's so funny. I wish I had more, you know, it's like we, I know we keep talking about this, you know, on, on here and offline and it's like, man, I just can't wait to get there. Right. Like, <laughs> We're just going round and round and round ourselves, too. And, it, again, we got Tom Brady, Philip Rivers, Ryan Tannehill, Dak Prescott, Jameis wow. Winston, Marcus Mariota. It's the only time I ever can remember in the history of NFL free agency where the supply of quarterbacks exceeds the demand for quarterbacks. That's crazy. That's amazing. It's never it happened before. Like, it feels like the, it feels like the, the the week before free agency will be as interesting as the week after, which is which is equally fascinating. Well, Jeff, I, really, awesome. I appreciate you taking the time today. I appreciate your reporting, your instincts, all your work. I can't and, wait. I can't wait till we get to talk about this after the fact. Oh, it's going to be. Oh, there's going to be a lot of stuff <laughs> after the fact that kind of flows out as well. I'm sure, right? Yeah, no doubt. The aftermath of it all. And maybe we'll do one more podcast, kind of a uh, look back, uh, a post-gamer a post about how Tom Brady made his decision to wind up with Team X. Jeff, thanks so much for the time today. And always, we'll be in touch over the next week, I'm sure. Thanks, Adam. That's ESPN reporter Jeff Darlington. And now to a man whose team could very well be in the chase for the Patriots free agent quarterback, Chargers head coach Anthony Lynn. Coach Lynn, thank you for the time very much. A different time for the Chargers. Your team and Philip Rivers have parted ways, each side going its own way. You head into the 2020 season knowing that there's going to be some type of change at the quarterback position. What is that like for you as a head coach with free agency coming up, with the draft coming up, not really knowing exactly how your quarterback position is going to be played out? Let me just say this out. We're going to miss Philip Rivers. I mean, he's a pro's pro. And you always feel like you had a chance to win when that guy's underneath the center. But it was a mutual agreement that we felt like it was time to go separate ways. And I wish him and Tiffany well. Uh, I'm excited about him and the rest of his uh, future. And uh, I'm also excited about the Chargers' future. But uh, it's exciting for me right now. You know, it's just uh, the unknown. It's kind of exciting. Now, one of the unknowns, you've got Tyrod Taylor on the roster. You've got Easton Stick on the roster, a guy who was a rookie last year. What has stood out to you about Tyrod Taylor to put you in a position where you felt almost comfortable parting ways with Philip Rivers at this point in time? Well, I mean, if you remember back in 2016, I was the offensive coordinator at Buffalo. Tyrod Taylor was my quarterback. And so uh, I have a comfort level with this young man and, and know exactly how to use him. Uh, we were number one in rush, and we were a top ten pass team until that last game. I had to set him out for other reasons, but uh, uh, I'm, I have a lot of confidence in Tyrod Taylor, and uh, he's even developed and grown more since 2016. So uh, if Tyrod Taylor is our quarterback, I'm perfectly fine with that. But right now, we have all options on the table. We got to get through free agency. We have to get through the draft. But uh, I'm glad Tyrod Taylor's on our roster. Why has he been so underrated as a quarterback? You know, he's he's not an outspoken guy, number one. 
You know, he shows up every day. He does his job. His teammates respect the heck out of him. They follow him. And uh, he leads by example, but he doesn't say a lot. So I think maybe because the times he has started, he's such a soft-spoken man and, uh, and like introvert, you might say. But uh, I don't know. That's, that's a good that's a good uh, question because every year he started National Football League, he's led the league. Uh, he's been number one in least amount of turnovers. And, and you know in this league you lose more games than you win. And that's that young man is never the reason why you lose. But he's a pro. That's the one thing I've noticed from watching him. The guy's a pro and he's well-liked and well-respected yes. amongst his teammates. Absolutely. And Absolutely. why is that? What makes him stand out like that? You know, regard? his work ethic, his knowledge of the game. You know, he studies like a coach. You know, we talk about Phillip Rivers and his preparation, and that's what made him so good. Tyrod Taylor's right there. And when he came here, he said, I want to learn and study with Phil. And he took some things from Phillip Rivers. And, uh, you know, for a veteran quarterback to say that in his interview, I thought that was really impressive. Now, you brought up looking at these other options, free agency, the draft. When you look at this year's crop of free agent quarterbacks, you've got guys like Tom Brady, Drew Brees, even though he wants to sign with New Orleans, Ryan Tannehill, Dak Prescott, Marcus Mariota, Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill. You don't see a free agent class ordinarily like this. What stands out to you without having to comment specifically on any one guy? Well, I mean, a lot of these guys are proven winners. You know, uh, 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 they've shown that they can win. So uh, it's going to be interesting how the dominoes fall. And so uh, I'm looking forward to just being part of the process. But like I said right now, at, at that quarterback position, if we don't get any of those guys, I'm very comfortable with Tyrod. Go back to that once again. What about in the draft? You're sitting there with the sixth overall pick. Mm-hmm. How do you like this crop of quarterbacks in this upcoming draft? I mean, there's a few that I'm really fond of. Uh, and we'll see. We'll see what, the, like I said, we'll see how the, uh, you, you can never go into the draft saying that you can, you're going to get this guy, that guy, because you don't know what's going to happen. But, uh, there are some guys that, that we do like at that position. But, I mean, there are some tackles we like. There are some wide receivers we like. We, we have some needs, but, uh, we're going to take best player available. Well, hold on. So the Chargers going wide receiver again in the first round? Is oh, that- <laughs> I see that. <laughs> I heard you say wide receiver. Hey, hey best, best man available now. Now, when I see this, this year you all guys are moving into a new stadium. Yeah. What was it like playing in the stadium you did last year, and what do you think it'll be like moving into that new $4 billion behemoth in L.A. this year? Four? Uh, Five? Six. Six? It's <laughs> uh, some it's, huge it's number. It's supposed to be the eighth wonder of the world. I mean, I, Have you seen it yet? I haven't seen the finished product. We took the team down to see it last year. It was massive. But the finished product is supposed to be unbelievable. I mean, it's supposed to be no stadium in the world like this one. So we are excited about playing there. Uh, playing in the, uh, in the Dignity Health and before that, the Stub Hub. You know, that was fun. It was a small, intimate stadium uh, where fans can, uh, every seat in the house is a good seat. You know, but, you know, after three years of that, we're ready to get back to a big boy stadium. And, and uh, we're looking forward to this one in, in you, Inglewood. Your team seemed to play better on the road. Was it a disadvantage sometimes playing at home when you'd see Packers fans or Steelers fans when opponents fans come in and flood the stadium? You know, I, I don't know, to be honest, uh, because I tell the team all the time, we'll go play in the parking lot. You know, we don't play the fans. And uh, But you have to have a, a lot of internally motivated people on your squad, I think, to, to get that done. So may, maybe it did affect some guys because, you know, you have young guys coming out of college. Uh, that's new to them. You know, I think if you've been in this league long enough in the pros, you understand that. But uh, so I can't say that it didn't affect some of us, but it certainly wasn't any excuses why we didn't play well at home sometimes. That just comes down to execution. Before I let you go, you know your roster very well. Give me a guy this year 
that's poised to break out on the offensive or defensive side of football, a guy that came on last year, a guy that impressed you, a guy that's going to be better this year than some people are expecting? Rayshon Jenkins. And why do you say him? I saw this coming a couple years ago. The young man is, is he's refocused. Uh, he's, he's changed his body. I thought last year putting him at, at free safety, uh, he made it hard for our second-round draft pick to get on the football field. And, and Rayshon just got better and better. I have no, I mean, he finishes one of the top five free safeties in the game last year, in my opinion, and he's just going to take it to another level. So if you've got Rayshon Jenkins and Derwin James back there, that secondary should be very strong against a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes. Well, that's what we're, that's what we're banking on, Adam. Aylin, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for the time today. Good luck in free agency and good luck in the draft. Always nice to see you. Always nice to see you. There's the Chargers head coach, Anthony Lynn. And now we bring in the Lions head coach, Matt Patricia, not as the head coach to answer questions, but as the man who is asking the questions himself. So obviously I'm uh, taking over here a uh, podcast uh, in the middle. Um, going to reverse the, you know, reverse the course here with Adam and we're going to ask some questions. So I think, um, you know, I would love to know for me this week is it's really structured. Uh, they tell me where to go, when to be there, what I'm supposed to do. I pretty much, you know, I'm a trained circus bear. I just go where I'm supposed to go. What's the week like for you? That's interesting to me because you have to be going a thousand miles an hour all the time. This week is no different than any other week. It is always the antenna up. What's going on? What's happening? But you enjoy more of the face-to-face contact because well, that's, that's what's got to be the fun part, let, right? Let me say this. Because that's different for you. You got to, as opposed to the phone all the time. Now it's we get to actually, you know, converse See you in, in person, person, which is way better, right? It's a neat deal. You don't get a lot of that during the course of the season. It's a lot yeah. of texting. Right. Hey, what what's happening here? What's the deal with this? Right. You're more kind of like the the millennial generation. You're like head down on your phone. This is kind of more of like us. Like we like to have and it's and live it's, conversation right. in and person. It's different. Than what you go through during the year, and it's different. It takes a little while to acclimate and get used to the talking part. Sure, sure. Uh, it's just, yeah. it's just a different feel. Actually, to, you know, to have you in person, voice inflection, like to have to worry about that when you're conversing with people as opposed to just typing. To see you and feel yeah. you, yeah. and, yeah. and, and be, you be all that, there right? That's, a, that's, that's a very it. good question, Coach. Very good question. What's what, your next uh, question? What's, uh, what's the most exciting part of the week for you? Other than bumping into you here, I mean, that's got to be the highlight. We assume that we know that. What, what's next? <laughs> you know what I like. What gets me excited is convenience. And yeah, Indianapolis yeah, is a very convenient yeah, place. Yeah. Like, I like to not have to go outside go very far. Yeah. It's yeah. raining out. You're not getting, you know, poured on. It's, you know. I can walk two blocks and get dinner. Perfect. I can go into the lobby and yeah. see people that I don't yeah. get to see all year yeah. long. That is great. They got a Starbucks in the lobby. Like, yeah. it, Everything about this place is just convenient. Yeah, that's right. True. It's 100%, that gets me excited. Hundred percent true. And now you know with the change this week, everything for us is in one building, so it's even less walking, which is always good for me. You know, so that <laughs> you know, as I'm trying to get those pizza slices in, it's uh, you know, I'm not burning those calories. You know, I'm just kind of. Is know, there a pizza place pile. that you go to in Indianapolis? Uh, I don't mean to. Great, it's a great question. Seize the interview yeah. from you. No, here. I mean it's you're your You can't help yourself. You just flip it back onto me. <laughs> I mean, where, where's your go-to spot for food in Indianapolis? Uh, you know. There is one guy that I've been going to dinner with the first night of the combine. Now, last night I was here, but this is his first night, and he's an old-time agent, and he's a great guy, and I've known him for my days in Denver, and we go to the sushi place Ooh. in town, Mikado, you and how about this? We walk in there, and we have the same waitress, Agnes, every year for 20 years, and Agnes comes over. I'm- she's got green tea waiting. She just starts bringing food. She gives us hugs like... It's almost like seeing a long-lost family member. Yeah. Once you, Agnes, our waitress I mean, at Mikado just, in Indianapolis. I'm trying to wrap my head around this because you, you know, you live on the East Coast. 
You have outstanding seafood there. There's great sushi. So now we're in the middle of the country, and you're telling me the sushi restaurant with Agnes in Indianapolis is the place to be. Well, do you know the best sushi restaurant that I've ever eaten at in my life is in Denver, Colorado, Sushi Den? And I, mean, I used to eat there two, three times a week when I was in See how much I learned by just coming to the combine? I mean, yeah. forget the workouts. Forget the 40 times. This but is to walk into Mikado and to see Agnes there and to see my yeah. friend Paul, like it's just, <laughs> it's like, it's like old comfort food. It's just, see, it's fantastic. It's, Where's your go-to place in Indianapolis? That's a great question. Um... Because I do like to try as as many places as possible. I really do. Uh, obviously, St. Elmo's is an easy staple. You know, you're going to go in. You're going to eat about three shrimp with the horseradish and the cocktail sauce. You know, clear out your sinuses. Get rid of the flu virus that's been going around uh, back in Michigan. And, and I'm good to go that's back a, home. That's so, afflicting the Patricia family. Yeah, right now. 100%. <laughs> you're just trying to. You know, I'm going to have to bottle some of that up and bring it home and get it out of the get it out of the house. So uh, you know, that'll be the first stop. Other than that, I'm I'm trying to hit as many as possible. That's it, though. Yeah. Okay, now give me your best. I want you. No, you're not taking over the interview. I got. I got this. Sorry. So, sorry, coach. Your best moment with a potential draft pick, a guy that was invited to the combine, a player. Yeah, here's a funny one. It would have been in the late 1990s. Now, this is my. It's probably almost my 30th combine, and so consistency and longevity. I mean, that's what it's well, about. Almost my 30th. So there was one year, and it used to be when I came here in 1992. This is true. I was one of seven or eight reporters at the Combine. That was it. And so one year... It's like you're the Grand Poobah right now. Well, no, there are some other Grand Poobahs like John McClain in Houston and Rick Gostlin in Dallas and some other people that I was going with, Clark Judge, um, some great reporters, Dan Pompey. But there was one year, I remember it was... It had to be the late 1990s. This is a true story. And um, I, I just took a liking to this player from Miami. We spent a lot of time talking at the Combine interviews. The guy had a charisma to him. And then I went and studied even more on the guy, and I went back to Denver, and I remember telling Mike Shanahan, hey, I got a guy you got to take this year, and you got to draft this guy. And he goes, who's that? And I said, Ed Reed. And he goes, yeah, you can always find a safety. Yeah. And I said, okay. <laughs> and he took that year in the draft, Ashley Lee in the draft, the wide receiver from Hawaii. And so Mike, smart guy that he is, and he's very smart, came to me the next year, and he said, all right, get back from the combine. He learned his lesson. Yeah. All right, who do you got for me this year? Yeah. And I said, this year? You want to take Chris Jenkins in the first round. And he took Willie Middlebrooks, the cornerback from Minnesota. So, you know, every now and then. You I mean, so now I'm like, okay, now I'm, I'm bought in now. You've got me now. Who am I taking? Who do I got? Well, I, I, I'm not ready that. Well, I'm not I ready I need that yet. information. I, I, well, we, we, we need that as soon as possible. We, we, we will get that to you. When I give you a name, I want to make sure that I give you a good name. Like, I'm not just giving you a name. Yeah. Like, you know, Ed Reed's a pretty, my name and Ed Reed's a pretty good name. on it. Now, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. Now, we, I was at Syracuse. We played against someone when he was in college. Um, and I'm pretty sure my four-year-old daughter could have saw that Ed Reed was going to be. Because I don't even know how many times he intercepted us, but he scored at least three times. It was ridiculous. It was the most unbelievable he thing I've ever seen. He always had incredible Unre- ball hawk skills. Right? It was like, amazing. That was an amazing team when he was at school. I, will, I, I always have guys. And then there are guys I also have that I've recommended to people. I'm like, you don't want to take this guy. And then some people have listened and some people haven't. And those are, that's, that's good information too. You know, we'll, we'll take all that. And then, you know, I'm going to come back in a couple of years yep. and tell you whether you're right or wrong. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, you know, listen, I, I don't put my name on very many people. If I'm going to put it on somebody, I'm going to feel pretty good about putting it okay. on that person. All right. I like it. Well, that's a great story. I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm learning so much right now. <laughs> I got a follow up. You want me to keep going? I mean, keep you know, going. so, you know, you know, that way you don't got to worry about this. Uh, tell me the, the best interaction you've had with obviously besides me with a head coach at the combine what did you learn from a head coach at the combine i haven't seen too many head coaches today i've right. seen some gms walking down here through all your years all your oh, 30 any, years any time yeah yeah 
Um, good one, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, stumped him. Got him. Well, Tweet that out. That, that that is a good one. I I don't have a specific answer for you because again, okay. it's thirty years of combines. I'm trying to think of when you, and and honestly, it's such business here, and everybody's on such a regimented yeah. schedule, yeah. right? Like, and this is a new year with a different format, but it used to be that. Like you didn't have any free time. Like yeah. you're, you're 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 going from interview to interview, right? Yeah, we're moving right now, and we're trying to uh, you know we're just trying to figure it out like everybody else. You know, it'd be really interesting for me. I think some of the things, and obviously, it's great for um, you know TV. It's great for the fans. Um, I'm excited to see what it looks like when they're working out. You know, when we get to the prime time uh, ratings here towards the end of the week. Uh, I think what completely changes though is you know the players' approach. How do you hydrate during the day? How do you oh, eat wow. during the day? How what's your sleep patterns? Some of the guys that um, you know want to have those certain situations where they can, you know, take a nap before they go work out or whatever that, you know, rhythm of your workout is. A lot of them probably have been waking up right now and working out in the morning. I'm sure they're probably, you know, running in the morning and getting all their leg work done. But now they've got to go perform at night. And sometimes, you know, the training, you want to try to match that up. So it'll be interesting to see how all that plays out. It's a totally different experience. Yeah. Get a sign off. Okay. So uh, I don't know what that means, but I'm pretty much just going to check out. I thoroughly enjoyed myself. Uh, there's more important people here that uh, you need to talk to, so I appreciate you uh, spending some time. Nice to see you, Coach. <laughs> Always. There's the Lions head coach, Matt Patricia. Special thanks to Matt Patricia and to the Chargers head coach, Anthony Lynn, and to the ESPN reporter, Jeff Darlington, for all their comments, time, and insights on this week's Adam Schefter podcast. And special thanks to you, the listener, for tuning into another podcast. Please join us again next week when we embark upon a critical week in the NFL, the start of free agency, where hundreds of players will be changing teams and we will see an offseason that is chaotic unlike any other. Until then, have a great week, everybody.